Some of y'all look like you, you've been around for a while. <laughs> that was tactful, wasn't it? <laughs> but think back with me. When, when you were full of dreams, when, when you were full of, of hope and, and had all kind of goals in your life and, and you were just thinking about being successful and what that meant and full of ambition. And if I were to ask you, what were, what were your dreams? What were your, your aspirations? And most of the time, it is not for us as I said, the title of the message, most of us don't say, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like a child. Most of us say, when I grow up, I want to leave childish things. And the Bible talks about that. But I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 18. The disciples here are with Jesus, and they're asking him a question. <laughs> and their mind is wrong. And sometimes ours is too. And so I want us to read. I'm going to read Matthew 18. I'm going to read 1 through 6, if that's okay. And then we're going to talk about it. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Can, can you hear the ambition in them? Can you hear it? God, Jesus, which, which one of us is the best? Which, which one of us is, is getting it right? Which one of us has healed more people? Who are you most proud of right now, Jesus? You hear the ambition just welling up inside of them? Look at verse 2. And he called a child to himself, and he set him before them. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. My goodness. Wow. So here are his disciples. This group who have become ambitious to a fault. Can I say that? The, here are a group of 12, and they have become ambitious to a fault. Worried about themselves. Isn't it amazing that they are in the midst of Jesus, and all they can think about is themselves. They are in the presence of heavenly royalty, the King of Kings. But all they can be concerned about is their own selfish agenda for their life, and if they're succeeding or not. Isn't it amazing that we live in an age where the Holy Spirit has been poured out? The Holy Spirit has been poured out on all mankind. He is among us. Amen. He is in us. Amen. And some of us only are concerned about ourselves. And if we're accomplishing what we think we're supposed to be accomplishing and doing what we think we're supposed to be doing it, in life, and I believe that there are times where we become ambitious to a fault. Now, he chose this group of disciples because he had a task before him, 
And honestly, I'm still about people that have the same kind of qualities that these disciples have. These are some hard-nosed jokers. They tough. They're fishermen. I think there is, what, like seven or nine of these guys are probably fishermen by trade. We're not talking about drowning hook fishermen. We're not talking about, you know, Saturday morning fishermen. We're talking about commercial fishermen dragging nets. These are men's men. Okay, this is hard work. And so he has called this group of men, I believe, by the way, one of them is a tax collector. That's a strong occupation. You, you got to handle some criticism if you're working, if you're an Israelite working for the Roman Empire, collecting taxes off of people and making money off of their suffering. And Jesus calls him and says, come and follow me. And then he, he calls a zealot. Now, who's a zealot? A zealot's a political activist who is trying to overthrow the Roman government. You thought you had problems in your family. <laughs> I would love to have been around the campfire at night when Jesus has got a zealot that wants to overthrow the Roman government, a tax collector who's collecting taxes for the Roman government, and a bunch of old hardy fishermen. This is a strong bunch. But you know what? To be a Christian, honestly, you got to have some toughness about you. Amen. Can I just say that? If you're going to follow Christ, you, you're going to have to have some toughness about you. I believe to live life, you're going to have to have some toughness about you. But if you're going to go against the grain and be a follower of Christ and, and go in directions that the world is not traveling, yeah, you, you're going to have to be tough. And, and I think it's okay. I like tough folks, you know? I, I clear I do. I want to be around tough folks. It makes me, it makes me want to do better but they become ambitious to a fault. And so now they're asking Jesus, Jesus, which one of us is the, the greatest? So they cross the line, and Jesus doesn't jump on them right away. What does He do? He brings a, a child, grabs a, a child off the street, not a child in their Sunday-go-meeting outfit, <laughs> not, a, not a little old girl coming to church with her Sunday dress on, or a little guy that his mama's dressed him up in, in his cute little Easter suit. While we were looking through some pictures of my, my mom's, Caden would kill me. But he's not in here, so it won't matter. <laughs> he had the cutest little suit on. It had to be a, Sunday, a little Sunday Easter suit because we couldn't have got him in it any other way. You know, this is not who Jesus gets. <laughs> this is way back. This child may not even have clothes on. This child was probably playing in the dust and the dirt. And I don't know about you, but isn't it true that when your child is little, they always have a runny nose? Is that not true? I don't know about your children growing up, but mine, they always had a runny nose. And it never fails that when they've got a runny nose, the dirt is attracted to their face and their nose. Am I right? Yes. I, you just need to picture who Jesus is calling and putting them in the middle of them. He's calling a dirty child that's got crusty feet because they don't have shoes. Crusty feet playing in the dirt. Hair all a mess. Mud and dirt all over their face in a culture that says children are no greater than servants. The culture of the time is not like, see, today, 
children rule the roost. How many times in American culture is it that we have elevated children to the highest place? It's all about the kids, right? Yeah. Oh, I hope I don't get off track. Baron, if I get off track, send me back, okay? I need, I need just one minute to get off track. Go ahead, go ahead. I won't get off track for just a minute. When I'm counseling people who are getting married, I ask them this question. When you have children, what will be the most important relationship in your family other than God? Is it you and your child or you and your spouse? Do you know how many of them don't want to answer the question? Because they know they're going to put the child first. And I have to remind them, you will not always live with that child. You're going to grow them up to send them off. But that little sweetie right there beside you, you stuck with them. <laughs> you best make that relationship the most important. Amen. So just real quick, marriage counseling, and y'all didn't even pay for this, and I ain't going to charge you. You better put God first. Because if you don't, this marriage is never going to work out. Amen. And then you better concentrate on you and yours, husband and wife. You better count on that. Because you know what? When it's time for them to find a mate, they're going to look at how you did it. And when it comes time to treat their little sweetie, they're going to look at how you did it. That's why you better get that right first. Amen. Okay, I'm back, Barrett. I'm done. Right. That <laughs> That wasn't in the notes. That's what you call a rabbit trail. Okay. <laughs> Just breathe. Get back. There's a dirty child. And in the culture, the dirty child means nothing. He, he, he has no place in society. They treat him like a, a, a servant. And Jesus pulls up this dirty child in their midst. And he says to them in verse 3, Unless you are converted, another translation says, unless you turn, the series has been on mindset. Do we have that, y'all, the series graphic? It's, this whole series has been about a mindset. Jesus says, unless you turn your thinking, unless you change your mind, what does he say? And become like a child, like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh. Now, he is not talking about their salvation right here. What he is talking about is he's saying, fellas, I need to get you ready for ministry. And right now your thinking is wrong. The way you view life and the way you view the kingdom is wrong. You are trying to figure out through your own ambition if you are at the top or not. And so I'm pulling little, what do you call him, JJ? Is that somebody? We're going to call him JJ. We're he puts little JJ in the middle of them, all dirty, and says, you got to be like little JJ. And they're like, what? Because, you see, he's concerned about their thinking, and he knows that, that their mind is not right for what he has before them. Because here's what happens. If you are blind ambitious, if all you see is your own success, you got to be careful because some things are going to happen. Do you realize that's more than likely going to lead to you being anxious in life? You want to know why so many people are anxious? Anxious about the bank account? Anxious about tomorrow? It's because they're concerned about themselves so much that they don't even have time to know what's going on around them. All they're thinking about is themselves. 
And when that thing gets just a little bit off, you feel that worry, that anxiousness rising up inside. He says, guys, if you don't quit being so concerned about yourself, you're going to be full of being anxious and worried. And I want you to be anxious for nothing. If they keep on with this ambition, they're going to be a striving group of people. Do you know there's only one thing in Scripture that it tells us to strive for? It says, strive to enter my rest. It doesn't say, strive for a paycheck. It doesn't say, strive for the American dream. It says, strive to be at rest. But he says, fellas, your blind ambition is going to cause you to strive all your life, and it'll never be enough. You go buy that car, three weeks later, you'll be tired, you got a car payment. You go buy that house that you thought was so great, before long, it's going to need something done to it. You will constantly be striving if you do not put me first. He says, if you're not careful, your ambition is going to cause you to be jealous. Oh, you ever been jealous of anybody? Mm. I, can I just be honest with you for a minute? As pastors, it is easy for us to look at each other and, and, and people help us do it. They always ask you questions. You know, that they make it easy to do. But we'll look at other pastors and we'll be jealous about their church or their people or, or whatever. Do you know that if you are jealous, you won't be able to complete your assignment in life? I'm going to say that just one more time. If, if I'm jealous of another pastor, I may not have his assignment in life. So I go trying to be like that pastor and I don't have anything inside to be like him and I'm miserable. I just like the fact that he was successful, it, it appeared. You pick somebody else in life. You pick the person at work. You pick the person in your family and you're sitting there holding this jealousy wanting to be like them. Guess what? You'll miss your assignment because that God didn't call you to be them. He makes no reproductions. Do you know that? There are no two blades of grass the same. No two fingerprints the same. Why do you think God wants you to be like somebody else? Your blind ambition will cause you to be jealous. And your jealousy will cause you to miss your assignment in life. Hmm. It'll cause you to be selfish. <laughs> Always trying to figure out how to get something. And the problem with being selfish is selfish people, they don't do good in community. Mm. Selfish people don't do well in community. You know why? Because when they approach people, they always want something from them. So they're always taken and never given. And what happens is they can't understand why the community can't give them everything that they need because they were supposed to get that in Jesus, not the community. Amen. And the community can't embrace them because the community goes, Lord, I want to be around them and I want to like them, but every time I get around them, I hear this sucking sound. <laughs> I hear this. Because <laughs> they always want something from me. And what happens is the community then begins to distance themselves from that person because they're like, I just can't deal with it. Blind ambition will cause you to be selfish. And selfish will cause you to be lonely. 
I got more. Can you handle it? Okay. Blind ambition will cause you to be controlling. Because you've got to control every circumstance and every situation in order to make it turn out so that it suits you. So if you have power, you'll become a bully. And if you don't have power, you'll become manipulative. Oh, that was a good word. Because some of you are in positions where you have no power and you're mad at the people who do, but you're being manipulative, so you're doing exactly what they're doing. So can I summarize that if you move in blind ambition, you will try to control the people around you and you will either become a bully or you will become manipulative. You become cynical. There's something wrong with everybody, right? And you're just trying to figure out what it is. You're looking at everybody trying to figure out, okay, what is it about them that's wrong? What can I find wrong about them? And so everybody that you approach, you approach as though everybody, you're skeptical of everyone. And so there's always this arm's length between you and everybody else. So you really can't embrace anybody. Ooh, y'all looking at me with some fa strange faces. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you're successful with your blind ambition, It'll make you proud. And if you're unsuccessful, it'll make you broken. And both of them are bad. If you pursue all your own motivations, your blind ambitions, ambitious to a fault, and you get good at it, you'll become a Pharisee and a scribe. And if you're bad at it, you'll become broken. You see why we put that dark side of the brain over there? Because it's dark when you're thinking from the standpoint that I've just been talking about. That's why there's darkness. It's because your mind is in darkness. It is not in the kingdom. But he brings a child and things are about to get better. <laughs> now, we know that children have their problems. All of us as parents would go, amen. 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 But he pulls up this child and he begins to, to give us this other image. So what is this other image? You ever noticed how playful children are? Like if you just watch them, their work is play. So they're constantly playing. And there's just this normal sense of, Joy. Now, of course, they get angry with each other and all those kind of things, but they, they live in this playful sense of joy. Can I ask you if maybe it's time for you to get back to being playful and joyful? Hmm? What, what if the, the recommendation for the pastor today was this? You need to be more childlike. You need to quit taking yourself and your situation so seriously and just go play a little bit. Just, just return to joy. Can I tell you, you think better from a position of joy? Yeah, so be childlike. He says, come up and be like, like him, like little JJ. Be imaginative. I used to love, I was the president at Horizons Christian Academy, and some of you worked there. 
my heart is always there. And I used to love the K-5 graduation. Because at K-5 graduation, you, you could always count on that they would record every child and they would ask them this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to, it was my favorite time of the year. Because you'd have a little boy, he'd come up and he'd go, I want to be a transformer. <laughs> Just standing all proud. Next little boy, get up. I want to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Little girl, get up. I, I want to be Barbie. It, and and it, they, they want to be these different things. And the amazing thing was that in their mind, they could be. Amen. They could be. Yeah. That whatever they wanted to be was actually an open canvas for them. It's only as we as adults get into their lives and tell them, Look, you really can't be a transformer. You, you really can't be Spider-Man. He, he doesn't exist. You, you really can't go to school and graduate because nobody in your family's ever done that. You see that? Now, you really can't get that job because you don't have any position. You don't have any clout. Somebody else is going to come in and, and do that. You shouldn't set your sight so high. All you're going to do is just disappoint yourself. Maybe the medicine for today is to be more childlike and take the problem that's in your life and be more imaginative about how God might solve it. Huh? Just, just dream a little bit about how God might solve the problem. Just real quick, we had the house, the second house from York Tech from our I-58 housing uh, nonprofit. We had to sell this house, and Chris will tell you he's part of the board, Barron's part of the board. We were running out of money, just out of money. And we're like, we've put this house, we've got it on the lot, but, but we don't have enough money to keep going. And this is going to take us 60 days at least to close this, this loan, even if we had someone today that wanted to, to buy this house. We prayed as best we could. And we prayed with this dark mindset, I think. Leslie called me later on that day. She said, could we receive a cash offer? I said, what are you talking about, Leslie? <laughs> she said, could we receive a cash offer? I'm like, well, well, I think we could, but how can a cash offer be, uh, how could that person qualify? She said, it's a disability settlement check. He qualifies. I was driving down the road going, Lord, I never thought of that. <laughs> I'm like, it was the most worshipful time I had had. I'm like, God, I had played this out a thousand different ways. I had had Chris and the board play it out a thousand ways. I'm like, we never even considered a cash offer. God. You got a thousand ways to solve problems. Can I tell you, maybe you ought to be more childlike today. Maybe you ought to trust God that he's got a way of solving your problem that you never even thought of. They're so trusting. This child he brings up. He's telling them, guys, you got to be more trusting. That's why it's, we have to do so much with our kids when they're young to tell them not to, to go with strangers, not to get in cars with strangers. Why? Because when they see somebody who acts like they love them, that care, they actually believe it. Now, see, we're all cynical, right? Because we've been burned before. 
right? So we want a resume and a job description and a bank account and a, you know, a criminal report and all those kind of things. But you smile at a child and they're like, that's my friend. You know, Jesus comes up and they're like, Jesus is my friend. And, and so they're, they're trusting. Could I, could I suggest that we have to understand that people can burn us? But at the same time, we can't keep everybody back. We got to let some people in. Let's be childlike and be and be trusting. They're they're accepting. We talked about this in prayer this morning. You ever notice that when children play, particularly the younger they are, they don't care what race you are. They they don't care if you're Caucasian, African American, Hispanic, Asian. They don't care. It's like you want to play with my truck. <laughs> yeah. You want to play with my block? You want to dress up? They, they don't care. They don't look at each other and go, um, what's your mom and dad's net worth? <laughs> they, they don't care what your mom and dad's net worth is. They don't even know what net worth is. They, um, did, did your mom and dad graduate high school? Did, where, where did they get their education from? They don't care. All they see is another person in front of them, and they're so accepting of each other. <laughs> don't you think God wants us to be more like that? Amen. Don't you think that's why He said, I want you to be more childlike? I, I want you to quit putting up so many roadblocks to who can be your friends, who you can associate with. Can, can we just forget all that and you just start accepting people? It'd be more fun. Amen. It'd be more fun. They, they keep things simple. We make things so stinking complicated, Amen. don't we? One of the core values of this church is simplicity. And all the time I'm asking the question, can we make it more simple? When we did a little connect cards, when we first started out, it was longer than an application for a home loan. I'm like, y'all, that's too complicated. Just... See if they'll give us a telephone number where we can text them and thank them for coming to church. You know, let's, let's just keep it simple. Could it be that your life has gotten too complicated? That you've made it so complicated that you're no longer childlike? And at the same time, don't miss this, children are absolutely dependent. That little snotty-nosed, dirty child has no way of feeding himself that day unless... His mom and daddy do it. He has no way of taking care of himself unless his mom and dad do it. And yet they move with such joy. They move with such joy that they're like, well, sure, mom and dad will take care of it. Well, sure, mom and dad will do it. Ooh, mom and dad, it makes us have to really measure what we say and what we do and what we promise, doesn't it? Because when we say, I'll be there, on Thursday, be there on Thursday. If you say it's my weekend to visit you, I'm going to come pick you up. Do you know how many children from divorce have been told that their daddy was coming this weekend and daddy didn't come? You know what that does to a child? And before long, it's hard for them to separate that from God and wonder, well, I don't know if God will do it either. Can I tell you that God is a good father? And where your mama and daddy left you off, 
and may not have been able to fulfill all the promises they made to you. You have a God in heaven who will do what He says He will do. And we have to accept that like children and say, you know what? If I got a need, I just think Dad's going to do it. <laughs> if I got a problem, I just think Daddy's going to do it. Yeah. And, and there's so many limits to a child. They don't understand everything. They don't have the mental capacity to understand everything. They don't have the mental capacity to understand even salvation. <laughs> How many times has it been that a child wants to come to Jesus, wants to be saved, wants to be baptized, and we put them through the school of the Pharisees to see if they can pass the test? Well, before you get saved, I need to see if you understand redemption, atonement, justification, and sanctification. My, I'm sorry, my eyes roll back in my head. Really? Really? That's what they have to understand before they can be saved. I actually think what Jesus is saying is, if you want to study atonement, go ahead. If you want to study justification, you'll be blessed by it. But that little child right there, all they need to know is that I love them. And that if they'll give their heart to me, I'll be good with it. And I will see to it that they are saved and that they are kept and they will enter to eternity and I will be their father and they will be my child. Yes, sir. Oh, we make it so complicated. I've started telling all of our youth people, if somebody's ready, talk to their parents and let's let them move with God. Because I believe when Jesus stood that child up, he said, you need to trust like him. You need to, you need to trust with a way that you don't have to understand everything. But you understand the one who has his arms around you. And Luke, it says, he took that child and he wrapped him in his arms. Hmm. Does he have you wrapped in your arms? Does, are you wrapped in the, the loving arms of the Father? So how would you describe your life? Blind ambition? Childlike faith. Where are we living? That's important. And do you know that you can change it anytime you want to? If you've been living on this side of blind ambition, you can instantly receive the arms of the Father. You want to know how you know how you're living? Your heart will tell you. Your heart has either affirmed or convicted you, as I've been talking. Your, your heart told you where you are. If if you said, yes, that's me, childlike, God loving me, yes. <laughs> your heart told you that. If your heart went, oh, yeah, started making excuses, right? Well, I got a lot on me. I had a lot go down recently. Yeah, I said, isn't this funny? After all... Some of y'all don't know some stuff I've been going through, but anyway, you do know about my mom. I said, isn't this a great message to preach after my mom's death? Just be playful. Be childlike. Just trust that God's got His arms wrapped around you. Your heart will testify where you are. If that doesn't testify, your mouth will. I slipped that one in on you. 
If your heart does, if you learn how to reject that, the, the speaking of your heart, your mouth will tell you where you are. Yeah, if somebody looks at you and says, you know what, you always so negative and critical. Come on, sir. You might be negative and critical. If somebody says, you always so mean, you might be mean. You, you always carry this unforgiveness in your heart. You know what? You might. Because you just talk long enough, you'll reveal what's in your heart. If I talk long enough, you'll know what I believe about God. Ask somebody to pray, you'll know real quick what they believe about God. They go, oh, oh, all these problems. You'll know their problems are bigger than their God. They start praying, they're like, God. <laughs> or better yet, they start talking to their problems about God. <laughs> they're like, look at here, checkbook. <laughs> they say, look at here, problem. I've got a God who loves me, who's got his arms wrapped around me, who's going to help me figure this thing out. Your mouth will tell you what's in your heart. And then he gives them one more. Can I give you this just one more? Go ahead, sir. It's one more of how you know if this thing is settling in, if you've got childlike kingdom faith, or if you have blind, ambitious striving life it is this and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me that's that's the test that we sometimes overlook which is this if you believe that Christ has wrapped you in his arm you ought to be able to wrap anyone else in your arms. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter how dirty they are. It shouldn't matter how much snot they got coming out of their nose. It shouldn't matter how messed up their hair is, what kind of clothes they wear. It shouldn't matter because you ought to be able to say, you know what? He received me. He he received me. Can I just tell you a secret? If you knew how he received me, you wouldn't let me preach. I, I'll just be honest because I don't think enough people are honest with you. If, if we could unwrap our thoughts for the world to see, we'd all go back to living in caves. Hmm. But if I can accept the fact that He has forgiven me, and only you know how much you've been forgiven. Only you know the things that God has said. You know what? Washed, covered, cleansed of all unrighteousness. Only you're the one that knows how much you're forgiven. That's what should motivate you when you see someone to go, I can't help but love them. I can't, I can't help but forgive them. I had this conversation this past week about forgiveness. And we were talking about the two ways you can encounter or give forgiveness. One is this. Well, I guess I got to forgive them. Because if I don't forgive them, God's not going to forgive me. 
I've heard that more times than I'd like to admit. I'm going to say it one more time, okay? Can I? Go ahead. I guess I'll forgive him. Because I know if I don't forgive him, God won't forgive me. That's not the point of the parable. Well. <laughs> that, that wasn't what he was trying to say. What he was trying to say is this. Child, you have been forgiven of so much. Child, I've forgiven you time and time again. I know the stuff you do when nobody's looking. <laughs> I know the stuff that only you know you struggle with. And I meet you every morning with mercies that are new. The point of the parable was this. You're supposed to go to the one that owes you a dollar and say, I've been forgiven a million dollars. I can't possibly withhold forgiveness from you. Oh, can we, can we please let that settle in? Because I believe we have an army of Christians who are going out trying to forgive people because they are blind to ambition and their own desires, which is the only reason I'm forgiving you is because I need forgiveness myself. Oh, how pitiful. You, low, you live in below your privilege. You ought to walk into that situation and say, child, I can't help but forgive you. Because if you had only known, and if you had the time, I won't bother you with it. But if I could tell you what I've been forgiven of, you would know I can't withhold forgiveness from you. Mm. I could almost stop there and just send you out and say, if you have ever been forgiven and you realize what you have been forgiven of, you ought to be a mighty weapon for God. One last thing. Can I tell you on that point? And then I'll close. If you are struggling with forgiveness, more likely than not, it is because you have forgotten how much you have been forgiven. It's because you forgot. And you've come to Jesus and you say, <laughs> I've got to be the greatest. <laughs> I am so much better than them. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you got it all wrong. You got to change your mind. And so what happens with these disciples is this. They received the correction of God for themselves. And they went out in a ministry that looked just like Jesus. That they could receive anyone. They could receive the, the poor. They could receive the broken. They could receive those who have bad reputations. <laughs> Around here, if you have a bad reputation, I want you here. I'm like, please come. Please come. You need to be here. Because you need to know that Jesus says, whosoever will, let him come. <laughs> we, we've got to be those who, who receive the elderly. And we don't cast aside our elderly and say, well, you know what? They're no longer beneficial. They, don't, they can't do anything to help me anymore. So forget about them. Do you know how many times we forget our elderly when they can't do and they're the ones that changed our diapers? 
My dad is constantly saying, Kevin, can I pay you? Kevin, can I pay you? I said, Dad, I'm in so much debt. I have no idea how many diapers y'all changed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never going to catch up. You never owe me a dime because I'm just trying to catch up. We ought to have a mindset of our elderly that is not, oh, you're not valuable anymore. You don't contribute anymore. But we honor them and we say, you know what? Without you, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Pure and undefiled religion is this, that you take care of widows and orphans. Yeah. I've been meddling a little bit. I'm going to meddle one last time. <laughs> do, do, do you know that every church struggles to find people to keep the nursery? Oh, you didn't know I was going to go there. But I am. Every church struggles to find people to keep nursery. You know why? People come in and say, look, I got to get my worship on today. I... I, I can't be fooling with kids because I got to go and just worship today. Lift up my holy hands. People say, I, look, I, 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 can't, I can't keep nursery day because look, if you knew the week I had, I got to get a word. In fact, I got to get up to Pastor D and get some prayer. In fact, y'all better get out of my way because I'm elbowing myself to the front because I got problems and somebody going to pray for me today. Oh, that was all too serious. <laughs> the only reason you laugh is because you don't want to be, you know, you, you scared. <laughs> you know how you'll know when a church understands that the kingdom of God is like a child? It's when they value their children. And they don't see babies in a nursery as a problem. They see them as the kingdom of God. They don't see kids in the nursery as a job that I have to do every now and again. They see it as an opportunity to pour into and bless the life of a little one that one day may grow up and change the world. And you will get to say, <laughs> I kept them in the nursery. <laughs> so the way you know that you have entered the kingdom as a child is that you can receive anyone. And that you can invest in anyone. Jesus is on a three-year mission to save the world. And the disciples look at these kids and they say, Mamas and daddies, you need to keep these kids away from Jesus. Because Jesus has important work to do. He is throwing people out of the temple. And He is healing the lame. And He has work to do. And you need to keep them away. And Jesus says, would you leave them alone and let them come to me? Would, would you let them? Mama, come on, bring them. Mama, come on and bring your child to me. Because I know that you're worried about your child. And I know that you want me to put my hand on them and bless them. Isn't that any mama? <laughs> any father says, if I could just get my child to Jesus. If I, could just, if I could just get my child to Jesus where he put his hands on them and pray, I think it would be all right. And Jesus says, don't you stop them from coming to me <laughs> because I got time for anybody who wants to come to me. 
So stand up with me, if you will. If you're not receiving even the little kids, the ones who can't do anything for you, then maybe we're blind and ambitious and we need to be childlike. And so my challenge to you this week is this. (laughs) Be more playful. Be more imaginative. Be more simple. Be more accepting. Be more dependent upon God. And then give that away to the people that are around you. I have no idea how this is going to go. But as soon as I start, I want you to do this with as much joy. I want you to do this with as much childlikeness as you possibly can. Are you ready for this? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's it. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah. So if you need a touch from Jesus, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to dismiss you. Anybody who wants to come up and just minister from the ministry team, y'all just come up here and be ready. I'll dismiss you guys. If you need prayer for anything, come like a child. Come in childlike faith and receive prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. This week, we want to be more childlike. Lord, we want to be more trusting. We want to be more simple, more accepting. We want to live with more joy. Maybe we want to sing Jesus Loves Me a little bit this week. Just to remind us that you love us. And Father, that we would pour that love out on anyone else. Because who are we to deprive someone of your love? Oh, Lord, let us go and forgive. Let us go and love. Let us go and put our arms around people in the name of Jesus. Let us do it in your name. And you said, when we've done it unto the least of them, oh, we've actually done it unto you, Jesus. So let us minister to you that way this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.